brought back together. It, the word literally means the mercy seat. That's the place where at one minute is brought together, where the blood was poured, the cover of the Ark of the Covenant. That was the mercy seat. It's the same word, but it means this place is where we become reintegrated, restored to a relationship with God. And I'm here to tell you that if you have received the atonement that comes from belief in Jesus, then you are what? We've all grown up in a world where there are preferred people, whether it be racial, economic, or status-driven. But God doesn't elevate certain groups over others. He chose the Jewish people as the vehicle to come into the world. But He loves all of us the same. Today, Pastor Daniel reminds us that God wants to transform all of us. We'll see evidence of His inclusion as we examine the processes given to the people for cleansing. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part three of his message entitled, Cleansing for Blemishes. So notice, he shaves, washes, showers, goes in seven days later, it all happens again. Because now they're saying, okay, it's time. And then they have the next cleansing ritual, which is a sin offering and a trespass offering. And if you studied the sacrifice series with us, we went over what the sin offering was and what the trespass offering was. And if you're like, hey, I I missed that, you can go check it out on our archives on our website. Just go under media, go under archives, go under sacrifice. You can study them all. We did all the different offerings, what they were, how they functioned. So a couple of interesting points here. First, the priest who is doing this takes the trespass offering, he takes the log of oil, and he does a wave offering, which was a type of offering where you waved what it was before the Lord, you showed it, you lifted up your hands. Now, after they killed the lamb, notice that the person who's being cleansed gets the blood of the offering on his right ear, his right thumb, and his right big toe. Now, if you remember when they were anointing the priests, they did the exact same thing, and we made the point. The idea about the cleansing on your right ear. Now, why the right as opposed to the left? Because the majority of the people in the world are right-handed. Doesn't mean that those of you who are left-handed are inferior. You're just unique. And unique's not bad. I'm unique. So it was the predominance of people in that culture and in ours are right-handed. I think it's about 12% or 13% of the people are left-handed. Everyone else is right-handed. So the idea of the right side was the side of strength. That's why Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. It's a place of power. And so the right ear, because God wants to cleanse what we hear. The right thumb, God wants to cleanse how we use our hands. Our right big toe, God wants to cleanse where our feet are going. So the idea is a holistic cleansing. God wants to cleanse what we hear how we use our hands, and where we choose to walk. So first, you get the blood, and then, what does it say? The priest takes some of the oil, he puts in his left hand, he dips his right finger in, and he puts the oil on the right ear, the right thumb, and the right big toe. Right? Now now think about this. Blood, of course, is a picture of who? Jesus, right? The blood of Jesus. 
So first you get cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Oil is a picture of what? The Holy Spirit. Because after you put your faith and trust in Jesus, then you get empowered with the Holy Spirit. And brothers and sisters, I pray that you are saying, God, I want to be empowered with your Holy Spirit. And we want a holistic empowering. See, the problem with the way people think about the Holy Spirit today is we want to isolate the Holy Spirit to like a worship service. Like the only time the Holy Spirit can move is when we're all together. No, 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 no. We want to live spirit-filled lives 24-7. We want to be in the spirit under the influence of the Holy Spirit all the time. And we don't just want spirit-filled words. See, we live in a day and age where because of the gifts of the spirit, many of them are speaking gifts, that we forget that the Holy Spirit wants to drench the totality of our lives. Where we walk our feet, you think about someone like Philip in the book of Acts. He was in the middle of a huge revival. God was using him. The Holy Spirit, look, I want you to go somewhere else. And he goes on out and he meets one Ethiopian eunuch. Can you imagine you're in the middle of a revival? God's like, hey, I want you to go. And you're like, Lord, it's a revival. Like, hello? Like, you're on the move here, Lord. I'm not going anywhere. And I was like, no, 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 no. And Philip goes, gets whisked away, and he meets one Ethiopian eunuch. Now, this, this man went to worship in Jerusalem, and according to the law, we're going to get to it. If someone's a eunuch, they can't go in. Not allowed. So this guy travels all this way from Ethiopia to worship. Most likely, although it doesn't say, he gets turned away because he's not eligible to worship because of his eunuchness. That's good, isn't it? And he's out there and he's reading a scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And the Lord tells Philip, overtake that chariot. You can imagine just Philip like jogging, you know, like listening to this guy reading out this scroll. And he's like, hey, uh, do you understand what you're hearing, what you're listening to? And he's like, no, no, who can? He's like, I can explain it to you. And he gets on into this chariot and he explains the prophecy in Isaiah to this Ethiopian eunuch. The Ethiopian eunuch is like, okay, yeah, I believe. Like, we'd be baptized right now? There's water right there. Sure enough, he gets baptized, and right as they come up out of the water, what does the Spirit do? Pulls Philip away again. Now, you might think, God, it makes no sense for you to take me out of the middle of a revival, except for God wanted to get the gospel to Ethiopia. And the church wasn't going to Ethiopia for a long time, except for the fact that there was a eunuch who God wanted to save so that that eunuch who was going back home could bring the gospel. See, we don't want to isolate the Holy Spirit to very specific areas of our world. We want to say, Holy Spirit, we want you to revolutionize my worldview. I want you to revolutionize the totality of my life, what I value, why I value it, what I listen to and why I listen to it, what I involve myself in and what I choose not to involve myself in. See, holiness does not happen in a passive way. It happens in an active way. And holiness is brought into our lives by the Holy Spirit and the Spirit gives us the ability to say, God, I am not going to do that anymore. So it's interesting. We get cleansed by the blood of Jesus, then we get anointed with the Holy Spirit in the totality of our lives. And you know what I love about this ritual? After he anoints the right ear, the thumb, the big toe, what does he do with the rest of it? He just dumps it on the guy's head. It's a messy transaction. Why? Because after you get saved by the blood of Jesus, and after you get filled with the Holy Spirit, then what does God do? He makes you a priest. 
And that's the way the priests, you read in the Psalms, that the oil was dumped on Aaron's head and it went down his beard, drenched in the Holy Spirit. And brothers, sisters, I'm here to tell you, we need to pray and worship and say, God, I do not just want to be touched by your Holy Spirit. I want to be drenched. Lord, I want to be sloppy with your Holy Spirit. Now, I say that, I say sloppy, and it's a little tongue-in-cheek, but we have to be careful not to make the Holy Spirit a parlor trick. And a lot of churches do this. They want to have that, that little Holy Spirit moment. So, like, literally, I mean, we can do it. We can dump, like, little, like, confetti into the air ducts and stuff. We, we can, like, we can oil up the pews, and you guys will sit down, slide right off it. And I say that people do that stuff. So I don't want the Holy Spirit to be a parlor trick. I want him to be the most high God in our midst because that's who he is. And the way the Holy Spirit is most high God in our midst is when he is most high God in our lives as individuals. And then when we all come together, filled and under the influence of the Holy Spirit, then the presence of God becomes so tangible and so palpable in our midst that it's undeniable because people get changed by the presence of God. Our staff meetings have been all about that as a church. 2014 for Crossroads, man, we're saying, Lord, we need the Holy Spirit so seriously in our midst because we don't just want to be a growing church. We want to be a church where God is transforming our lives and then we are out transforming other people's lives. And the Holy Spirit is the great transformer of people. And so I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, we need to start asking God to make us sloppy, drenched with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. What I also realize is that I can't, no matter what people tell you, I can't preach the Holy Spirit into our midst. I wish I could. I'd get rich doing it. I'm just kidding. Some people try. Listen, man, you fly the Holy Spirit guy in, you know what I mean? But here's what I got for you. If us being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Brothers and sisters, just ask. All of us, just say, Lord, I want your Holy Spirit. I want all that you are for me in Christ. I want the empowering baptism of your Holy Spirit with all the gifts, however you want it to roll, Lord, we're in. And I'm here to tell you that if enough of us ask God for his spirit and enough of us show up already filled, then God can do anything amongst a group of people like that. So my prayer is that you'll join me in that, that you'll join me and just say, God, I just want your spirit. I don't even understand what it means. I don't know how it looks. I've never had the experience, or maybe I did. I just, I want it today, 2014. Lord, we need your spirit. I think it's just so beautiful. It's, it's also symbolic, the blood, then the oil, and then the dumped oil. It's all psh, drenched with the Holy Spirit. And notice what it says, because this little section here it's so beautiful because it, it closes in such a simple way. Notice what it says in the end of verse 20. So the priest shall make atonement for him, and he shall be what? Clean. If you're here today, 
and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, this is what God offers to you. Atonement. The word, it's at one mint to be brought back together. It, the word literally means the mercy seat. That's the place where at one mint is brought together, where the blood was poured, the cover of the Ark of the Covenant. That was the mercy seat. It's the same word. But it means this place is where we become reintegrated, restored to a relationship with God. And I'm here to tell you that if you have received the atonement that comes from belief in Jesus, then you are what? Clean. It means that God has separated your mistakes as far as you are as the east is from the west. That's what it means. And how do we not rejoice in so great of a salvation as that? I think about all the knuckleheaded things that I've done in my life. I mean, it's just, it's just massive. It's like extraordinary amounts of idiocy from my life. And I'm clean, man. White as snow. And that's the grace of God. That's the grace of God. Now, Look at what happens in verse 21, because I love the, the fact that God has always leveled the playing field. Because you see all this, you have all these, oh man, we have these birds, and we have this cedar wood, and we have this hyssop, and this and that. Now we have the, all these goats and oil, and you know, what if I don't have any money? Well, God's got a provision. Look at what it says in verse 21. But if he is poor and cannot afford it, then he shall take one male lamb as a trespass offering to be waived to make an atonement for him, and one-tenth of an ephah, a fine flour, mixed with oil as a grain offering, a log of oil, and two turtle doves, or two young pigeons, such as he is able to afford. One shall be a sin offering, and the other a burnt offering, and he shall bring them to the priest on the eighth day for his cleansing to the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. Verse 24. And the priest shall take the lamb of the trespass offering and the log of oil, and the priest shall wave them as a wave offering before the Lord. Verse 25. Then he shall kill the lamb of the trespass offering. And the priest shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering and put it on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed. And on the thumb of the right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. And the priest shall pour some of the oil into the palm of his own left hand. And the priest shall sprinkle with his right finger some of the oil that is in his left hand seven times before the Lord. And the priest shall put some of the oil that is in his hand, on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, and on the thumb of the right hand, and on the big toe of the right foot, on the place of the blood of the trespass offering. The rest of the oil that is in the priest's hands he shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed to make atonement for him before the Lord. And he shall offer one of the turtle doves or young pigeons such as he can afford, such as he is able to afford, the one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering with the grain offering, so the priest shall make atonement for him who is to be cleansed before the Lord. This is the law for one who has a leprous sore who cannot afford the usual cleansing. Now, once again, this reads almost exactly the same, except the only difference is, is that for somebody who couldn't afford the usual offering, God made a provision for people who didn't have the same means. And this reminds us once again that God is not a respecter of persons. God does not respect wealthy people more than people who lack wealth. God does not respect a certain ethnicity more than another ethnicity. God loves people. 
all people, because we were all created by him, sustained by him, and for him. And I love the fact that God does not have preferences. And so we always have to remember, because God does not prefer one group of people over another, and that includes the Jewish people. They were his chosen people because they were the most humble of all the people, not because there was anything inherently better about the Jewish people. God chose them to be his vehicle into the world. And if you, we'll read about it at the end of Deuteronomy, because they were the least of all the nations. God couldn't find a more humble group of people than the Jewish people. He said, I'm going to use them. So we have to always remember that, because we have grown up in a society where there's all sorts of racial prejudices, depending on how you were raised, in, in, in what circumstances you were raised. There are preferred races and not preferred races. Some people weren't. I wasn't raised that way. I grew up in, in New Jersey where I look at my early group of friends and there was a Jewish guy and there was a Mexican guy and there's a couple Indian guys and an African-American guy and, and we we're all just friends. We just grew up together. It was just normal. So I was used to seeing every ethnicity, but not everyone was raised that way. And so God doesn't have a preference. God is pro-human. He created all of us in his image, in his likeness. And God wants to transform every type of person, male or female, rich or poor, no matter what the nationality is, God needs to transform all of us. He needs to adjust things in who we are by his Holy Spirit. And so God makes provision. He makes sure that they realize that if someone couldn't afford it, it doesn't mean that they're out because they don't have enough financial provision. There's a way. And so everything else was exactly the same. Now, in verse 33 and following, we start looking at something else. Look at what it says. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, verse 33, saying, When you have come into the land of Canaan, which I give you as a possession, and I put the leprous plague in a house in the land of your possession, and he who owns the house comes and tells the priest, saying, It seems to me that there is some plague in the house. Then the priest shall command that they empty the house before the priest goes into it to examine the plague, that all that is in the house may not be unclean, and afterward the priest shall go in and examine the house. Verse 37. And he shall examine the plague, and indeed, if the plague is on the walls of the house with ingrained streaks, greenish or reddish, um, which appear to be deep in the wall, then the priest shall go out of the house to the door of the house and shut up the house seven days. And the priest shall come again in the seventh day and look, and indeed, if the plague is spread on the walls of the house, then the priest shall command that they would take away the stones in which is, is the plague, and they shall cast them into an unclean place outside the city, and he shall cause the house to be scraped inside all around, and the dust they scrape off, they shall pour out in an unclean place outside the city. Then they shall take other stones and put them in the place of those stones, and he shall take other mortar and plaster the house. Verse 43. Now if the plague comes back and breaks out in the house after it was taken away the stones, after he has scraped the house and after it is plastered, then the priest shall come and look. And indeed, if the plague is spread in the house, it is an act of leprosy in the house. It is unclean. And he shall break down the house, its stones, its timber, and all the plaster of the house. And he shall carry them outside the city to an unclean place. Moreover, he who goes into the house at all while it is shut up shall be unclean until evening. And he who lies down in the house shall wash his clothes and he who eats in the house shall wash 
his clothes. Now, now we're not dealing with people, we're dealing with buildings. And so some of your translations use, instead of leprosy, you use the word mildew. Some of your translations refer to it as mold. The idea is, once again, that because of where they lived, there was the possibility for there to be some sort of an issue within the house. And again, because God is concerned about their health and their well-being, if the house has got all sorts of garbage going on, if it's mold or mildew or whatever it is specifically, he says the priest shall examine it, They'll look at it, they're going to remove whatever's bad, and they're going to take that stuff outside the camp. So whatever it is, if it's contagious, there's some sort of an issue with it, they're getting rid of it, they're going to fix it, they come back in after a week. If it's all clean, they're fine. If it comes again, what do they do? They knock the house down. Now, it might sound a little extreme, but what is God concerned about? Concerned about life. And so he's looking out for the health and the well-being of the people. So it's very simple. Now, notice... If somebody is back in their house after they did this ceremony and they find out it comes back, notice that the people who are inside need to be separated for a time, washed, all those things. So God is concerned about the health and the well-being of the people. Once again, he doesn't want something that is in the wood or in the stone or in the plaster now to be spread. It's kind of, you know, if you think of something like asbestos, that's something that in our culture we had, we were putting some building materials, it became, it's cancerous. And now if you, someone's clearing asbestos, that's a huge ordeal. And there's lots of things involved with that because it needs to be proper aeration and the way they dispose of it. All these, it's the same type of thing. So God is concerned for the well-being of the people. And he realizes that the dwelling places in which they live could be potentially carrying something that will hurt the people. And so God has a provision for it. Now, in verse 48, if the priest comes in and examines it, and indeed the plague has not spread in the house, after the house was plastered, then the priest shall pronounce the house clean because the plague is healed. And he shall take to cleanse the house two birds, cedar wood, scarlet and hyssop. Then he shall kill one of the birds in an earthen vessel over running water. And he shall take the cedar wood, the hyssop, the scarlet, and the living bird, dip them in the running water, and sprinkle the house seven times. And he shall cleanse the house with the blood of the bird and the running water and the living bird with the cedar wood and the hyssop and the scarlet. Verse 53, Then he shall let the living bird loose outside the city in the open field and make atonement for the house, and it shall be clean. This is the law for any leprous sore or scale, for the leprosy of a garment and of a house, for a swelling and a scab and a bright spot, to teach them, to teach when it is unclean and when it is clean. This is the law of leprosy. Now, notice... Once again, the same cleansing ritual. The two birds, the running water, the cedar wood, they have stepped the whole night. Same exact thing. Same cleansing ritual. And then, of course, we are reminded of the fact of why all of this is here. Because God wants to make atonement. He wants to make it clean. All of these laws, why? That they made to teach when it is unclean, and when it is clean, this is the law of leprosy. Brothers and sisters, I want to close with this application for us. We need to take seriously what God sees as healthy and unhealthy. Jesus is real. The priests examined the house of a sick person, removing all the contamination. God was looking out for his people's health. 
As Pastor Daniel pointed out, his desires for us are the same. He wants us to understand what is healthy and unhealthy for us too. We know that God doesn't need our money, but he uses our finances to help further his kingdom. We want to invite you to partner with us and help expand God's kingdom through Jesus is Real Radio. Your monthly or one-time gift will allow us to continue to grow our radio ministry in other parts of the world, sharing the life-changing experience of knowing that Jesus is real. Simply log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and select Partner from the main menu. For most of us, our smartphone is an extension of our body. They are constantly ringing and dinging, telling us what to do and where to go next. We want to encourage you to subscribe to the Jesus is Real podcast. Each week, the programs right here on the radio are available in podcast format. So if you miss one of the broadcasts, you can always catch up by subscribing to the Jesus is Real podcast. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel Wheelshare about the final instructions given by God in Leviticus. God wanted His people knowing what is clean and unclean. There are distinctions for us as well. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series entitled Cleansing. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio. 